All right, glad you're with us. Just 258 days to go. Thank you, Scott Shannon. 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of the program. Loaded up today, uh, Bloomberg, and now it's beginning to sink in just how radically racist his comments are. Bernie is now hitting him hard on the charge of racism. Uh, we'll get to that with Geraldo and uh, Reverend C.L. Bryant later in the program. Bill O'Reilly today, Peter Schweitzer, fascinating expose on Bloomberg and his company and anybody that ever wanted to say anything bad about China. I'm like, they, literally, they were suppressed. So what's going on there? We'll have an investigative report. I, for the life of me, so we're on the program yesterday. I think it was the second half hour of the program. And I'm, I only want to talk to farmers. I cannot, I cannot get over this. It's sort of like you, you're not getting a billion. You're not getting it unless you fire the prosecutor investigating my zero experience son who's being paid millions. All right, there I go. I can't get over this. Is... Oh, I could teach anyone to be a farmer. I, you just dig a hole. You put a seed in. You put dirt on top. You add water. Up comes the corn. But in today's world, you need a, need a lot more gray matter. It blows. It is breathtaking arrogance and the agrarian ignorance. Society lasted three thousand years, and we could teach processes. I could teach anybody, even people in this room. So, no offense intended. I can to, teach to anybody to be a farmer. You, it's a process. You dig a hole, you put a seed in, you put dirt on top, add water, up comes the corn. Then we had 300, you could learn that. Then, then um, you have 300 years of the industrial society. Uh, you put the piece of metal on the lathe, you turn the crank and the direction of the arrow, and you can have a job. And, and we created a lot of jobs. 1.98% of the world worked in, uh, in agriculture today. It's 2% in the United States. Uh, now comes the information economy. And the information economy is fundamentally different because it's built around replacing people with technology and the skill sets that you have to learn are how to think and analyze. And that is a whole degree level different. You have to have a different skill set. You have to have a lot more gray matter. It's not clear the teachers can teach or the students can learn. And so the challenge for society to find jobs for these people who we can take care of giving them a roof over their head and a meal in their stomach and a cell phone and a car and that sort of thing. But the thing that's the most important that will stop them from setting up the guillotine someday is the dignity of a job. I, I listen to this guy and I am just blown away at what is breathtaking, a breathtaking level of ignorance about American farming. And he's so dumb that he actually gives the answer. Yeah, well, it used to be a much larger percentage of of people that were engaged in, in farming as a profession. Well, why does he think, has he not thought through the possibility that as we move to the information economy and, and replacing people with technology, well, how do you think our farmers got so good? Because they have a lot of gray matter that they've been using. And they've they have now perfected the science of agriculture. And it is science. I mean, pH levels alone is a science. If soil is too acidic or alkaline, there's a problem. What do you do with soil? How do you get the proper soil? How do you maintain the proper soil? You know, but it's so unbelievable to me. OK, well, what if you have four thousand acres? You're going to dig four thousand uh, four million holes and put a drop of a, a kernel of corn in it. 
I mean, it's just breathtaking ignorance. And, I, you know, Farmer Mini Mike, I guess, you know, he doesn't seem to have enough gray matter to understand the level of sophistication, knowledge, science that goes into the agriculture industry. The, the, the hard work that goes into that, the risk that goes into any season when you're farming. Okay, what if you have an early frost? Uh, could be problematic depending on when your harvest is. What if uh, what if the conditions are such that there's not enough sun and or there's too much rain and too much flooding? They have to deal with that risk every day. That's their reality. That's 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 hard. That is a lot to put on the line every year. You know, and pray to God that everything works out on a given year after you've invested everything in your crop. You know, farmers earn degrees. There's all I, I mean, there's millions of colleges, not millions. There's every so many classes and degrees and advanced degrees available as it re- from very prestigious universities all across the country. I mentioned last night Cal Poly. They have dozens of uh, agriculture degrees available. You can major in them. You can minor in agribusiness, bioresource, agricultural engineering, environmental earth uh, and soil sciences. Yeah, it's a science Geographic information systems for agriculture. I mean, I, I can teach anyone to farm, and that our society today, different skill sets needed more gray matter. The only one that needs gray matter, a transplant perhaps, is is mini, mini Mike the farmer, farmer Mike Bloomberg. Wow, breathtaking. You know, you think about this. You think of, all right, somebody, maybe they have a small farm, maybe 300 acres. Maybe somebody has 4,000 acres, maybe 10,000 acres. Or we're not even discussing dairy farmers. They've got, okay, you think you get a day off as a dairy farmer? You don't. You're working seven, eight days a week. There you go. And you're putting your time in. And then you think of, okay, well, every farmer, they have irrigation. They got to irrigate their acres of land. That's a difficult challenge. Then the challenge, because you're not actually, Mike, you're not going to go and you're going to put one little kernel of corn here and then move up a few inches and move another kernel of corn there. That's not how it works. You have sophisticated machinery developed by people that have a lot of gray matter, and that machinery will plant it for you and even harvest the crop for many of the crops for you. That's called innovation. That's called a lot of gray matter. Uh, Look at all, for example, the different hybrids that they develop. Corn is just one. Uh, you can have sweet corn. You can have corn for cattle and hogs or whatever. And, you know, or you get, you know, corn that's just yellow corn and yellow and white corn and sweet corn and this corn and that. I mean, where do you think that happens? It happens in laboratories because why? A lot of gray matter is spent developing even a more perfect product or one that is more that is able to endure more in terms of outside factors that farmers have to take. In other words, that that are less susceptible if, in fact, they don't get as much sun. They're still able to grow better. That's the level of sophistication. I mean, then you get, for example, people build that make out different types of tomatoes that we like to eat. Whatever you're growing, it is it is an amazing amount of information. The machinery you got to be a mechanic. You got to be a veterinarian. Okay, well, it's three in the morning and you have a, a 10,000 acre farm. And, oh, let's see, maybe you're a dairy farmer and, and well, one of your, your cows is about to give birth. What do we do then? 
Well, you're probably somebody that can be a veterinarian when need be. And if the calf is breached, I'm assuming that most of these farmers are going to be able to figure that sucker out and get that calf out alive. Because it, that, that's the knowledge that they have. Can you do that, Mike? May, Farmer Mike Bloomberg? I, I can't get over it. I, I mean, there's certain things Linda will tell you. Quid pro quo Joe is one of them. I know. Um, zero experience. Huh? It drives me nuts. They're all upset about quid pro quos, except for Joe. On tape, you're not getting the billion. I can't, breathtaking hypocrisy. Well, in this case, you know, Farmer Mike has breathtaking ignorance here. He doesn't have enough gray matter, I guess, to understand what American farmers and the challenges they got every day. And not only do they use this sophisticated machinery and technology and advancements they feed not only our country, but the world for crying out loud. You think you'd give a little credit? And what happens when the irrigation breaks down? Oh, I guess they're going to probably have to fix it on their own. Got to be pretty smart, pretty good with your hands. Or what if the tractor breaks down? Or what if any of these sophisticated machines that actually plant the crop for you or harvest the crop for you? You only have X number of days to harvest this crop. You probably be working 18, 19 hours a day. That's my guess. But I guess there's your there's your modern, extreme, radical, arrogant, out of touch, ignorant, even Democratic Party. I can teach anybody to farm. I tell you, Linda, you have advanced degrees. I don't think you could be a farmer. Not in a million years. do I think you could be a farmer. I don't think it's possible. Lucky for you, I'm not about to try either. Well, I know, but I, but it, I have massive respect for people who get up at the crack of dawn every oh, day. Come on, could you imagine how hard? No, that is? I live directly next to a farm, and these people have run this farm their entire lives, and they have generations of family that run it. They're incredible people. And the amount of work that goes into it, how they harvest everything. I've gotten super friendly with them. And the reason I got friendly with them is because they were there using an iPad and it broke down. They had this super long line and I went over and fixed it for them. And they gave me like free pumpkins for the whole season. Oh, Anyways, how many but, pumpkins? Yeah. Well, I remember the video of I got Liam racing pumpkins, through the pumpkin so. patch. But, well, the point is, <laughs> wow. I, I, but I think but it's, it's like crazy. Like the work they do is crazy. All the kids are on the farm. They all know how but to it's use the more tractors. Than that. It, it's crazy. It, it, it runs deeper. This, this goes right to the heart of what these arrogant, ignorant politicians think of we the people. And they, they, it's spectacularly stupid. You know, what? Did, I remember when I first interviewed Eric and Don Jr., and I'd known them for years, and they kept referring to their father. He's like a blue-collar billionaire that hung out at construction sites with all the guys that build these buildings in New York. Well, there's a lot of workers involved in that, that kind of production. But to not understand what the good people of this country do every day and how sophisticated they are and what it is that they specialize in, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I wow. It's sort of like irredeemable deplorables. It's like smelly Trump supporters that shop at Walmart. Why do you shop at Walmart? Save money. Why do you shop at Costco's? Because you get a better deal. Okay, to me, there's a lot of gray matter that went into that decision-making. You get more more bang for your buck. Uh, or, you know, bitter Amer- Americans that cling to God. Or their Constitution, their Second Amendment rights, their Bibles, their religion. This is, there's, there is this elitism. It exists. It is real. You know, why can't these geniuses that have been running liberal cities all across this country 
figure out how to stop the violence in Chicago. You know, you have decades of liberal rule. They haven't figured that out. Liberals and their unholy alliance with teachers union, they haven't figured out how to how to educate our kids. We spend more per capita per child than any other industrialized nation. But we're like 37th or the idea that, you know, uh, a city like Baltimore, you got 13 public high schools and not one of them. Do you have kids proficient in reading and math? That is a spectacular fail. And that led to Donald Trump running on. And I've never seen this before. And I think it worked, which is what have you got to lose? Liberals have been promising you and playing the race card and they pull out their playbook every two and four years. You're racist. You're sexist, misogynist, homophobic, xenophobic, Islamophobic. Well, the only one in that case, Mike Bloomberg is the person we're describing. Look at his comments about minorities. Imagine if Donald Trump or any Republican said that, what the reaction would be. What's going to be interesting in the course of all of this is whether Democrats and the mob and the media, they're going to give him a pass because his name isn't Trump. It's going to be fascinating. And that will expose further hypocrisy. Like they cared about quid and pros and quos, but not with Joe. They cared about obstruction, but not Hillary deleting subpoenaed emails and bleach pit and hammers. They cared about Russian interference and they ignored completely the dirty dossier. Election interference by Ukraine, you had DNC operatives going to the Ukrainian embassy to dig up dirt on Trump and associates. They didn't care about that either. I guess they'll they'll let everything that Bloomberg said and done and as arrogant and ignorant as he is, I guess he, he'll get a pass in the end. That's how sick this has gotten. Really nuts. All right, people asking me to play Paul Harvey again. We'll do it after the news at the bottom of the hour. We'll talk to farmers only in the final half hour of the program today. I love all the people that have called in. Linda, you doubted we'd have so many farmers that were listening, and they are. Anyway, uh, looking forward to it. Um, and if you're a farmer in the farming industry, dairy, cattle, whatever it happens to be, give us a call, 800-941-SEAN, as the program unfolds. And, I think uh, what I'd like to caveat that comment with is um, not is, not that farmers would not be listening, but that they might be working while they're listening, so they oh, might not you, be able to call you, you, Are That's you trying all. to do a Michael Bloomberg and high? No, 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 no. I'm not a CYAer. I'm just saying. That's what By I said yesterday. By the way, yesterday. Bernie is now got a 10 point lead, real clear politics average, 28.3 percent. Biden 17.6. Bloomberg 15.9. It's interesting to watch. Although you, you see more polls coming out with Bloomberg on top. If you look at the specific states. Again, nationally, it's it's Sanders, but California Sanders has a huge lead over Bloomberg, 28-5 to 16-5. Biden, 14-5 there. Nevada, Sanders, 30. Biden, 16. Warren, 14-5. South Carolina, Biden is winning there over Sanders, but it's only 26-5 to 20, and Steyer has 16%. That's Steyer gets 16% there. Uh, Texas... Biden has a slight lead over Bernie there, but I don't think it means anything. Bernie Sanders is the front runner, according to Zogby today. All right, Paul Harvey's comments on farmers when we come back. All right, 25 till the top of the hour. Thank you, Scott Shannon. I think most Americans actually do greatly appreciate the level of science, sophistication, gray matter that goes into farming. I think most Americans understand it. I guess, you know, if you think... Mother, how was your day? Oh, I played Scrabble. Did you win? Of course I won. Yes, I won. But mother, the person is on the payroll. I mean, there's something off with this guy. 
I mean, it is, oh, here's an interesting thing he's going to have to answer to one point. Politico has a bit of a bombshell for farmer Mike. And uh, just days after Trump defeated Hillary, Bloomberg told Trump, I do love you. Wow. Photo of Bloomberg chummy with Trump on a golf course plastered all over social media this week. Courtesy of Bernie Sanders. <laughs> I'm a friend of Donald Trump's. He's a New York icon has also service, uh, surfaced. Anyway, Bloomberg speaking one month after the 2016 uh, election noted that he once told Trump, yes, Donald, I do love you. That's so nice of him to do that. But you really do love me, don't you? Trump continued. Anyway, before a crowd at uh, business school in Oxford, Bloomberg relayed a lighthearted story speaking with Trump after September 11th. I saw your speech in Philly. Trump told Bloomberg and a, a seeming reference to Bloomberg's takedown of Trump at the DNC uh, convention that that summer. But you really do love me, don't you? He said, oh, yeah, I, yes, Donald, I do love you. I just disagree with everything you've ever said. OK, there you go. That's where he stands on things. Paul Harvey, the great Paul Harvey, amazing broadcaster. Nobody better at, at what he did. News, rest of the story. I mean, he had a great piece on farmers. We played it yesterday, and everyone's saying, can you play that again? Okay, by request. And on the eighth day, God looked down on his planned paradise and said, I need a caretaker. So God made a farmer. God said, I need somebody willing to get up before dawn, milk cows, work all day in the fields, milk cows again, eat supper, then go to town and stay past midnight at a meeting of the school board. So God made a farmer. God said, I need somebody willing to sit up all night with a newborn colt and watch it die and dry his eyes and say, maybe next year. I need somebody who can shape an axe handle from a persimmon sprout, shoe a horse with a hunk of car tire, who can make harness out of hay wire feed sacks and shoe scraps, who planting time and harvest season will finish his 40-hour week by Tuesday noon and then paint in from tractor back, put in another 72 hours. So God made a farmer. God said, I need somebody strong enough to clear trees and heave bales, yet gentle enough to yean lambs and wean pigs and tend the pink-combed pullets who will stop his mower for an hour to splint the broken leg of a meadowlark. So God made a farmer. It had to be somebody who'd plow deep and straight and not cut corners. Somebody to seed, weed, feed, breed, and rake, and disc, and plow, and plant, and tie the fleece, and strain the milk. Somebody who'd bail a family together with the soft, strong bonds of sharing, who would laugh, and then sigh, and then reply with smiling eyes when his son says that he wants to spend his life doing what dad does. So God made a farmer. So God made a farmer. I can't, nobody could say it better than that. Think of the life. I mean, how is it so difficult for some people to put themselves in the position of what other people do? I mean, it's called relatability. Um, I guess if you're lacking in empathy or an, a, a, an understanding how hard that life has got to be. And I know most people like I know farmers. And people that have generation of farmers, Devin Nunes, his family's been in the dairy farming business forever. I remember going out to the San Joaquin Valley because they wouldn't give farmers in California water so that they could farm and feed us because they wanted to protect wasn't even an endangered species. It was like a minnow, a little minnow fish, a bait fish. 
called the Delta Smelt. Went out there and the fields are dry. They can't even plant. I mean, that's how idiotic these bureaucrats are. But if you think of the hard work it would be to get up for the sunrises every day, milk the cows, and then go about your day and everything in between. And then deal with machinery, sophisticated machinery. And then sophisticated science behind soil and agriculture and agribusiness behind it. Also, not knowing, you know, what you're going to make on any given year, depending on what market fluctuations exist. The unpredictable weather conditions that could wipe out your entire crop that particular year. I mean, imagine how hard it is. And then you're up, you know, all night giving birth to a calf or whatever, you know, baby piglets, whatever it happens to be. And you do it because you love it and you do it. It's like cops. Every cop I know wants to be a cop, wanted to be a cop their whole life. They want to serve. Good teachers, good teachers, they're worth their weight in gold. There are plenty of good teachers. Now, you have the teachers' union, separate and apart from good teachers, and you know they protect some of the awful teachers. New York City has all these teachers that they don't even use because of, I mean, they, they get paid for years. How does Bloomberg get away with that? How's Bloomberg going to answer, you know, that black and Latino males don't know how to behave in the workplace? How do you make comments that ignorant? How do you say that, well, murderers and murder victims fit one M.O.? One. You can just take the description, Xerox it, pass it out to all the cops. They are male, minorities, 16 to 25. And cops throw them up against the wall. Really? That'd be called... Police brutality. I don't think that's what cops do. That's not what's. This isn't even about stop and frisk. But I would argue. And then he goes on to say that. Well, oh my gosh, people say to me, you know, you're you're arresting kids for marijuana that are all minorities. And he goes, yeah, that's true. Why? Because we put all cops in minority neighborhoods. Why do we do that? He says, because that's where all the crime is. Wow. But to be a farmer, I can teach anybody to be a farmer. You just dig a hole, put a seed in, and you put dirt on top, and you add water, and up comes the corn. Oh my gosh. I, 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 I can't get over it. Now, is the media mob, take all of these ignorant statements. Are they going to go after Bloomberg the way they would if it was a Republican? Tend to doubt it. Uh, the fight's getting, the fight's engaged though. Bernie Sanders saying yesterday he's not going to release any more medical records during his presidential bid, saying that he's already released sufficient information to quell concerns about his health. We've released, he said, I think quite as much as any other candidate has. We released two rather detailed letters from cardiologists. We released a letter that came from the head of the U.S. Congress medical group, the physicians there. So I think we've released a detailed report, and I'm comfortable with what we have done. If you think I'm not in good health, come on out with me on the campaign trail, and I'll, I'll let you introduce me to three or four rallies a day that we do. When pressed on whether he would disclose any more, I don't think so, he says. All right. I'm not going to release any more. Bolshevik Bernie opens up a huge lead in California. This was in the L.A. Times, a survey of the Public Policy Institute of California. Sanders, he's at 32 percent, followed by quid pro quo Joe at 14. 
Elizabeth Warren, 13. Bloomberg and Buddha Judge at 12. There's a national new ABC poll that has Bernie way ahead. Pretty significant margin. Now the question is, how are the establishment Democrats are they going to now rally behind? Because Joe is his toast. But it'll be interesting to see what happens there. Bernie calls out Bloomberg for being a racist. Said this in this big rally. Apparently had 17,000 people in liberal Tacoma, a city south of Seattle. I guess maybe that's not exactly Trump country in California or Seattle. Nice place. I've been there. Uh, anyway, he said it was racist, the comments of the former New York City mayor. Here's an interesting comment. Bernie Sanders' campaign is actually saying that Fox News has been more fair to his campaign than MSDNC. I'll invite Bernie on in this program anytime he wants. Glenn Greenwald, interesting comments. MSDNC, a full-scale disinformation machine. There's a reason the network is mocked as MSDNC. Adding that the network is not merely anti-Sanders, but it's serving the primary goal of the DNC. He's right. Basically, state-run Democratic network. Well, Hannity, you're an opinion person. Yeah, okay. A lot of people on Fox that disagree with me. A lot. I don't see any any variation of views on either fake news, CNN, or MSDNC, the conspiracy channel. Uh, not good news for Biden. An FBI raid took place, according to the Washington Examiner. Uh, they raided a company tied to Joe Biden's brother. Oopsie-daisy, more corruption. Uh, let's see, NBC News Wall Street Journal poll erases Elizabeth Warren from the survey. Ouch. Yikes. Another ABC Washington Post poll. Back to that one. Biden is no longer the most electable Democrat. That's not good for him. I think his days are now pretty much over. Then you got, and you got Mike Bloomberg. Imagine if any Republican has said the stuff he's saying. Now, it even gets worse than that for Bloomberg because, you know, he said other things that have been pretty controversial. You know, a derogatory term for gays and lesbians. That was in a Yahoo News article. Uh, He made fun of transgender people. He's already spent $417 million and nobody knows a thing about him. The Wizard of Oz campaign of all campaigns. I've never seen anything like this in my life except for Obama. Obama got a pass by everybody. Uh, Bloomberg is pretending NBC News has picked this up. He's touting his relationship with Barack Obama in a pair of new ads. $16 million spent on those ads so far. If you didn't know better, the spots might lead you to believe the former president endorsed Mike Bloomberg. It's not true. Several Obama alumni are quick to point out, and the vision that the ads conjure up is a close relationship. Yeah, okay, well, that's not true. Shocking. A lot of questions being thrown my way about his relationship with Al Sharpton. i got to get into that. We're going to find out more information. Apparently, I saw this first in the Daily News. Now BuzzFeed has picked up on it. Video showing the elitist candidate describing transgender people as he, she, or it, and some guy in a dress who enters a girl's locker rooms and arguing that transgender rights are, are toxic for presidential candidates trying to reach middle America. If your conversation during a presidential election is about some guy wearing a dress and whether he, she, or it can go to and, and go to the locker room with their daughter, 
That's not a winning formula for most people. They care about health care, they care about education, they care about safety and all of those kinds of things. If you want to know, is somebody a good salesman, give them the job of going to the Midwest and picking a town and selling to that town the concept that some man wearing a dress should be in the locker room with their daughter. If you can sell that, you can sell anything. I mean, they just look at you and they say, what on earth are you talking about? Mm-hmm. Hillary reacting to Bloomberg VP rumors. No, that's not going to happen. Apparently, she sat down on uh, Ellen DeGeneres' show and said that there. Apparently not happy about being mentioned in that particular way. Pretty amazing times we're living in. I will say that. You got uh, Pete Buttigieg. Oh, boy. There's a brutal piece on him in the New York Post today about, you know, people in South Bend, Indiana. These are next President, quote, I fear for our country. He couldn't run our city. How can he run the United States? They quote the guy, the woman, Michelle Berger, 42, stay-at-home mom. Look at all the crime. He didn't do anything about it. Look at our quality of life. If he becomes president, well, we'll become one big South Bend, a giant sinkhole, and we'll be in a new depression. Another resident saying, on a rating of 1 to 10, I'll give him a 2. Buttigieg talking about all the improvements he made. He hardly made a dent, said another person. The west side is the most neglected part of town. The street I live on is the only street around here that has lights. That's because we're a gateway to Notre Dame. On the stump, Buttigieg comes off as cool and and calm and cerebral, uh, but they're like laughing about it, like the worst mayor ever. It's a 10-minute read if you pull out the printed version. Buttigieg reportedly touted partnerships with uh, African-American South Carolina-owned businesses that they deny having. And then the other thing is is that he admits that he targeted minorities more uh, in enforcing crime. All right, we've got to take a break here. We've got a lot coming up today. we got Bill O'Reilly. We've got Peter Schweitzer has done a deep dive into Bloomberg and his relationship with China. Very weird findings. Very strange. We'll get O'Reilly's take on all this, too. Then, on the racial issues involving Bloomberg, are the Democrats and the media mob going to give him a, a pass? We have Reverend C.L. Bryant and Geraldo Rivera. We'll weigh in on that. A lot to get to today. All right, later in the program, we get to talk to farmers only. Well, you just got to take a seed, plant it, put dirt on it, water it. Come on, I could teach anybody to farm. Uh, we'll get the truth out, the reality of how hard it is. Uh, we've got that Bill O'Reilly today, uh, Geraldo and Reverend C.L. Bryan on the issue of Bloomberg's racial comments, and Peter Schweitzer investigates Bloomy and this bizarre relationship with China all coming up. 800 941 Sean as we continue. So the United States currently accounts for about 15% of global greenhouse gas emissions. Yep. China accounts for roughly 30% of greenhouse yep. gas emissions. How do we, even if we get to net zero, how do you get... China, okay. India, and the other countries okay. no, to be good partners. China is doing a lot. Yes, they're still building a bunch of coal-fired power plants. And they're still burning coal. Yes, they are. But they are now moving plants away from the cities. There, the, the, the Communist Party wants to stay in power in China, and they listen to the public. When the public says, I can't breathe the air, Xi Jinping is not a dictator. He has to satisfy his constituents, or he's not going to survive. He's power. not a dictator? No, he has to. He has a constituency to uh, to to, to uh, um, 
uh, answer to. Doesn't uh, have a vote. He doesn't have a democracy. He doesn't. That he's doesn't not mean he can survive if his, if his advisors I mean, is, is gave the him. Is the check on him just a revolution? Yeah, I can have a revolution. Nobody, well, then, no government survives without the will of the majority of its people. Okay. All right. Those are comments by yes. Uh, there he is, Farmer Mike, Mini Mike Bloomberg, uh, about China. Now, this is pretty fascinating because our friend Peter Schweitzer, author of the best-selling uh, book "Profiles in Corruption: Abuse of Power by America's Progressive Elite." He goes in a chapter and verse in detail in a deep investigative study. And by the way, some of which has been picked up now by the by Breitbart.com. And their headline is Bloomberg accused of helping communist China suppress embarrassing news stories. Anyway, so uh, Peter Schweitzer has done a deep dive yet again. And he found out that in November of 2013, that Bloomberg News suspended a reporter who exposed corruption involving uh, relatives of, of the Chinese leadership at a conference in Beijing in 2018 in November. Bloomberg called the Chinese vice president the most influential political figure in China and the world. And this guy's name is is Wang. He's widely seen as President Xi's enforcer. They nicknamed this guy Angel of Death. In an interview with Firing Lines, Margaret Hoover, Bloomberg says the Chinese Communist Party will listen to the public and that uh, President Xi is not a dictator. Really? He's president for life. Nice try. Here with more of the details on this, because this is a big deal, a very big deal, is Peter Schweitzer, a best-selling author. How are you, sir? Hey, I'm great, Sean. How are you doing? I'm good. It seems like systemic for him. As, and as I look at it, I'm thinking he's making money. There's got he's compromising principles to make money. Yeah, it's you know, it's an interesting question, Sean. There's basically two explanations for Michael Bloomberg's actions with regards to China. One is that he really does think the Chinese communist system is like a democracy like the West uh, and that President Xi's not a dictator. He actually believes that or he's doing it to kowtow to the Chinese because he has a cluster of commercial relationships in Beijing that require him to be in the good graces of the Chinese government. And I think a lot of people look at it and say, Michael Bloomberg is worth $60 billion. He doesn't have to kowtow to anybody. But if your business is so tied up to being in the good graces of the Chinese government, uh, maybe you're prepared to do that to, uh, to keep the, uh, the money flowing. Yeah. All right. So let's go through these specific incidents. Now, I'll add one other thing. There's a story in Breitbart about how The Intercept reported that uh, a, a woman describing herself as one of the many women that Mike Bloomberg's company tried to silence through non-disclosure agreements, even though she never worked for Bloomberg's companies, but her husband did. And according to this woman, uh, Miss Fincher, Bloomberg brought uh, enormous pressure to bear against the couple to suppress news reports that were embarrassing to the communist Chinese. And she said she was studying uh, sociology uh, in Beijing when her husband worked on a series of Bloomberg News reports about the tremendous wealth accumulated by Chinese leaders and their families, including uh, the relatives of President Xi. And like other visiting Western reporters critical of the communist government, they found themselves you know, getting death threats, including threats against her and and their and her husband and their two young children. And she said Bloomberg News told them not to say anything about the death threats pending an internal investigation. But after several months, she broke her silence, mentioned it on Twitter within a matter of hours. She's claiming she said her husband was contacted by a Bloomberg manager and told to get your wife to delete her tweets. Oh, well, that sounds very uh, that sounds very heartening to me. 
Yeah, the, the, her husband is a reporter named Michael Forsyth, who I've met with and, and spoken with. Uh, he's a very good reporter on China, and that's exactly right. He was working for Bloomberg at the time. Uh, he did a lot of uh, aggressive reporting, uh, good, solid reporting, on how the Chinese political leadership was self-enriching. Uh, in email exchanges, Bloomberg editors you know, said, look, you've got the goods. This is amazing. Uh, and then they basically uh, told him to stop reporting it. And uh, Forsyth uh, left uh, Bloomberg. He's now with the New York Times. Um, and it's an act of censorship um, that is consistent uh, with a lot of the things that Michael Bloomberg has said and done over the years in terms of his statements to uh, with regards to China. And part of it, Sean, is, you know, people don't realize his company, Bloomberg LP, which, you know, has these uh, uh, terminals and sells data to investors around the world. I mean, it's a very, very lucrative business. A key component of that business is that he has a licensing agreement with the Chinese government. Um, it was formed in 2010. Interestingly enough, this licensing agreement is with the State Council Information Office which is also the propaganda wing of the Chinese government. And the point is, is that he takes data, they take data um, involving bonds and financial markets in China, and they sell it to investors and traders around the world. And China has been the hottest market over the last 10 to 15 years. So this data is really, really important uh, to his business model. Um, and, you know, if he does something to tick off the Chinese or you know, one of his entities is reporting something they don't like, there's real fear that, that he could potentially lose that license. Uh, and let's there are go, other commercial deals as well. Let's go through some of these other the, the, the incidents I mentioned, one in November of 2017, I'm sorry, 2013, another in November 2018, and this interview in September 2019 with uh, Margaret uh, Hoover and Bloomberg saying the Chinese Communist Party will listen to the public and that President Xi is not a dictator. I don't believe that. Why would he say that? A great question, and it's really stunning. People can find it online. I would encourage them to look at the full interview, and it, it, you can really tell that uh, uh, Margaret Hoover is interviewing is kind of floored by the statement. Uh, it's it's completely declarative. It's not that oh, you know, she is trying to do his best for his people. It's that President Xi flat out is not a dictator, and. You know, I think, Sean, you probably agree with me on this. If President Xi is not a dictator, I don't know what a dictator is. Nobody's a dictator. Um, and that's what's so stunning. We know Bloomberg's, you know, a smart guy. He's been in financial uh, uh, business and, and mayor of New York. He knows exactly what's going on in China. And he's choosing, he's choosing uh, to, to, you know, kowtow or soft pedal what's going on in China. And the explanations are either he actually believes it um, or he's doing it to kind of curry favor with the Chinese because uh, they could severely damage his business. I'm trying to understand. He recently announced plans, uh, Bloomberg did his business, to incorporate Chinese bonds into the Bloomberg Barclays Bond Index business with the goal of steering $150 billion in Western capital to Chinese companies, including 159 government-owned businesses. Now, I'll be honest, I don't care if we have good relations with China I kind of like the fact that this president got $220 billion in a two-year deal that helps our farmers, our service industry, our energy sector, our manufacturers, our automobile industry. I mean, that's real money, real jobs, real Americans. I don't have a problem with that. We can do business with people whose politics we don't like um, as long as uh, – but you're saying that very specific actions and things are being done and said here – just because of money and things that he's saying are just not factually accurate. 
Like, it's wrong to say this guy's not a dictator. He's president for life. How do we know he declared himself president for life? <laughs> exactly. There, there are many people within the Communist Party itself, hierarchy, who are quite upset with him declaring that. So you've got a lot of people in the Chinese Communist Party that would say President Xi is a dictator. And look, you're exactly right. The issue here for me is not that you're doing business with China. There are lots of people that do business with China. But if it starts to distort or, or, or change or alter the statements you are making, especially if you're somebody who you know, wants to be president of the United States, wants to be a leader of the country, um, you know, that's of serious concern. And you, know, you could look at, 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 at Donald Trump. I mean, Donald Trump has done business with China. His family's done business with China. It does not seem to have affected his policy prescriptions towards China. He's been very, very tough. The question is, if Michael Bloomberg is prepared to make these sort of over-the-top statements that President Xi's not a dictator, that you know, his enforcer, the angel of death, is the most important person in the world, um, you've got to wonder and be concerned either it's something he truly believes or these commercial ties. Uh, that are very lucrative for him, whether he's just prepared to say these things because he wants to keep the flow of money coming. Do you think, like, when you couple everything you're saying here and his comments, well, you're 95, go home, we're not going to treat you, and his comments about uh, minorities in particular and all the cops, and we only arrest minority kids for marijuana because that's where all the crime is, uh, his comments about gays, lesbians, transgenders, uh, the allegations of the things that he said about women and everything in between. I mean, one has to really and it comments about farmers. I mean, what is the impact overall for his campaign here? Will the Democratic Party, just because his name isn't Trump, give him a pass? Yeah, the question, Sean, is is how much does the base Democrat um, is there evaluating all these things say, Bloomberg is saying and doing things that are inconsistent with what I believe, but my desire to defeat Trump is so much greater that I'm prepared to look the other way. And I think it's going to be very hard for Bloomberg to square that circle, uh, because at the end of the day, uh, one of the reasons the Democrats want to get rid of Donald Trump is because they have very strong views on you know, uh, transgender rights or these other issues. And if Bloomberg uh, you know, is is not following the line on those, or if he's now starting to change his views out of political expediency, it really goes to the heart of credibility. And 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 I think that's really what's going to be interesting to watch with Bloomberg. I mean, he's he's an enormously wealthy individual. He was mayor of New York City, but but honestly, did not face you know serious political opposition in that role. You know, he is now in an arena where he's climbed in the polls largely because he's dropped hundreds of millions of dollars in political ads. He's going to be on a debate stage. Uh, it's, it's going to be fight club. Um, he is going to be getting in scraps with people. And the question is, can a guy who's never really had to face that before publicly, uh, how is he going to deal with that? How is he going to explain? Well, know, he's alienating big, big portions of the Democratic Party base. I mean, that is yeah. the Democratic Party base, and that is why they play identity politics all the time. Uh, Peter Schweitzer, by the way, his best-selling book, Profiles in Corruption, Abuse of Power by America's Progressive Elite. A uh, quick question about Bernie when we come back on the other side of this. And as we continue, Peter Schweitzer, best-selling author, uh, we're just talking about the business connections and odd happenings with China and Mayor Bloomberg uh, on top of everything else. 
One of the things your book profiles in corruption, you go into a pretty deep dive about how wealthy Bolshevik Bernie Sanders is. He's a pretty wealthy guy. Now, when he started, I guess, in politics, he wasn't that wealthy, was he? That's right, Sean. I mean, he was 39 years old when he was elected mayor of Burlington. He had never held a steady job before that. Um, When he had run for the Senate in the 1970s, he actually collected unemployment insurance uh, while he was running for office. He becomes mayor of Burlington, and that's kind of the beginning of this pattern of steering money uh, to his family. Both he and Jane have done that. Uh, When he was mayor of Burlington, one of the first things he did was he put his then-girlfriend, later wife, Jane, on the payroll. The city council erupted and said, you can't do that. There's no job here. We never authorized this. Bernie blew it off and kept her on the payroll, and that was kind of the beginning. Um, By the time he ran for Congress, he realized that that putting his wife in charge of his media buying uh, could be very lucrative, Um, never mind that Jane had no background in advertising or in media buying. So she would take a commission, 10 to 15 percent commission on all the radio and television uh, ads that his campaign would buy. And we believe that that's somewhere in the magnitude of one hundred and fifty thousand dollars that she made. Um, and that pattern has, has, you know, continued going forward. When it comes to his own book sales, this is very interesting. I mean, Bernie says, I'm a millionaire because I sell books. Uh, well, I sell books, but Bernie has the added advantage, Sean, of he's had his own political campaigns, buy copies of his own books to the tune of half a million dollars. So it, it's, he's actually used campaign money uh, to you know, sweeten his book sales uh, for the benefit of himself uh, and his own um, publisher. Uh, and remarkable. Final- I mean, yeah. I mean, it's just remarkable to me. I mean, all these guys—they all get rich and then they complain about wealth distribution. Uh, meanwhile, they're supposed <laughs> to be taking jobs where they're public servants, but they're using their background, their connections, and everything in between uh, to make sure that they are enriching themselves. And like, for example, don't they have a better health plan than the rest of us? Yes, they do, Sean. And actually, when the Senate introduced uh, a requirement that the U.S. Senate, the senators uh, be under the same uh, requirements as Obamacare, like the rest of us, Bernie Sanders actually voted against uh, that bill. Um, And as a U.S. senator, um, you know, he's written all this book, all these books, he's made money. When you look at his uh, investment portfolio, he has an investment portfolio, a guy who attacks a uh, corporate America, Wall Street, big oil, big pharma. Uh, where does he actually put his investment dollars? All right, great reporting as always. Peach, uh, Peter Schweitzer, author of the bestseller "Profiles in Corruption: Abuse of Power by America's Progressive Elite." We put it on Hannity.com now in book- bookstores everywhere. Amazon.com if you want to get a copy. Uh, thanks for being with us. We'll take a quick break. When we come back, the simple man himself, Bill O'Reilly. BillOReilly.com for all things O'Reilly. We'll get his take on all the happenings within the Democratic uh, Radical Extreme Socialist Party. That's next. How do you feel about the Democratic Party and Mike Bloomberg trying to buy this election? I think it's I think it's sad. It's a sad reality. Our big money should not influence politics. I'm incensed and I'm outraged and I'm incredibly disappointed with the Democratic Party. How do you feel about Bloomberg's <laughs> comments? It seems like every week there's another tape about him saying something about minorities. I think just look at his track record. Look at stop and frisk. It's despicable and it's something that you expect from an oligarch like him. I think we all know Bloomberg's policies have not been racially just. Say Bernie doesn't win. Mm-hmm. Could you ever support a guy like Bloomberg? 
I would begrudgingly vote for him, yes. It's going to be really hard for me to do that. It would really suck to be pushed into a corner like that. Um, I would have a really hard time doing that. The Bernie Sanders campaign manager gave a recent interview and said that they felt like Fox News treated uh, Bernie Sanders more fair than MSNBC, which is a progressive. Do you think that's true? I true. I truly believe you so. Think, you know, Mr. Bloomberg has every right in the world to run for president of the United States. He's an American citizen. But I don't think he has the right to buy this election. You know, we pride ourselves on being the longest standing democracy in the world. And we're proud of that. To me, what that means, one person, one vote. You want to run for president? You run for president. You got good ideas. Maybe you win, maybe you don't win. But I do think it's a bit obscene that we have somebody who, by the way, chose not to contest in Iowa, in Nevada, uh, in South Carolina, in New Hampshire, where all of the candidates, we did town meetings, we're talking to thousands and thousands of people working hard. He said, I don't have to do that. I'm worth $60 billion dollars. I have more wealth than the bottom 125 million Americans. I'll buy the presidency. That offends me very much. All right, there it is. Farmer Mike getting attacked by rank-and-file fellow Democratic radical socialists and Bernie blasting Bloomberg uh, and his, quote, racist policies at a massive rally. Bernie also saying that uh, Farmer Mike Bloomberg stands uh, for oligarchy, not democracy. Elizabeth Warren is saying that uh, he's an egomaniac and Bloomberg once called excessive spending on a campaign ads obscene. This all on top of, oh, his latest comments about black and Latino males do not know how to behave in the workplace. There's this enormous cohort of black and Latino males age, let's say, 16 to 25 that don't have jobs, don't have any prospects, don't know how to find jobs, don't know uh, that they, what their skill sets are, don't know how to behave in the workplace where but they let, have to work let collaboratively me if I, let and collectively. Me if I... And then the same guy that said, oh, you throw those young minority kids up against the wall, and he said murderers and murder victims, they fit one M.O., not five, not two, not three, one, only one. You can just take the description, Xerox it, pass it out to all the cops. They are male, they're minorities, 16 to 25. It's true in New York, and it is true in virtually every city in America. And then he's asked, well, you know, why do you why do you only arrest? My goodness, you're only arresting kids for marijuana that are minorities. He says, yeah, that we only arrest kids for marijuana that are minor minorities. He says that's true. And he says, why? Because we put all the cops, all of them, not some, all of them in minority neighborhoods. And why do we do it? Because that's where all the crime is, not some of the crime. All of the crime is. Well, if you hear a simple man on this program, that can only mean one thing. And that's Bill O'Reilly. Uh, who says he's a simple man. He's anything but simple, but uh, BillOReilly.com for all things O'Reilly. And uh, I don't know. I'm, by the way, did you know I could teach you how to be a farmer, Bill? It's easy. Well, I'm, 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 I appreciate the offer, Hannity, but I'm not sure that's my vocation. Well, hang um, on a second. I could teach be, anybody be to Lebanon, be a farmer. All you got to do, Bill, is dig a hole, yeah. put a seed in it, you put dirt on top, and you water the the seed and yeah. up comes the corn and rows. That's it's that simple. You well, just farmers need gray matter. Stuff? What about the cows and the tractor? 
an offense. Now, you what see, now Walmart? you're getting complicated, Bill. You're supposed to be a simple man. <laughs> I am simple. I, I'm picturing myself on a farm, and I know I'm going to have a big John Deere there. You had a guy yeah. on the other night with a John Deere in the background. I, I did. Driving into the camera. I'm, I'm honored you watch. But can you yeah. believe the arrogance of this guy? You dig a hole, you put a seat in it, you put dirt on top and add water, and up comes corn and rose. I mean, come on. Well, in his world... That's what it is. I don't understand. Michael Bloomberg is a billionaire, as Bernie would say. So why is anybody surprised that his view of life is a simplistic, well, the farmers do this, and the cops do that, and the bus drivers do this? He's not interested in pedestrian occupations. Hey, That's Bill, but, well, I, can, I can't imagine the, the breathtaking stupidity of his statement about farming. Farming okay, is so sophisticated. It, it was probably, look, here's what you got to understand about Bloomberg, because it's going to be fascinating tonight as all um, five of his opponents gang up on him. I don't know if Biden knows that he's going to be there yet, but when Joe finds out, he'll gang up on him, too. <laughs> Joe's a little detached from what's happening. What? Let me ask you this. What if Donald Trump had talked about taking young male minorities, 16 to 25, and throwing them up against the wall? And, yeah, we only arrest minority kids. We only put cops in minority neighborhoods because that's where all the crime is. Not some of it, all of it. Well, I mean, he would have been branded a racist like he's already been branded. You know, the far left hates Bloomberg. We're leading uh, the No Spin News on BillOReilly.com with that story. And I picked four really vicious attacks. And I guess these are Bernie Sanders report, um, supporters, because Sanders got a problem with the, with the Bernie bros now that are kind of like uh, bully boys going around beating people up. You mean like Bolshevik Bernie bros, you call them? Is that what you say? Yeah, Bernie bros. I mean, it's like they're going to have leather jackets with Bernie bros on the back, you know. Um, But they all have problems. But Bloomberg is fascinating because he has always been this way. He's always been a kind of an arrogant guy, uh, not warm and fuzzy, makes these kind of statements that are offensive to a lot of people because he can. It's it's like Trump in a way. They have so much money, they've never been held accountable for anything they've ever said in their lives, and they go around saying whatever they want to say. Some of it's smart, some of it's dumb. And then the dumb stuff comes back to bite them when they want to run for president of the United States. Now, the country overlooked that for Donald Trump. I mean, a guy could not have been attacked more than Mr. Trump was attacked. Bloomberg's being attacked now, but it doesn't come close to what Trump had to go through. But it will be fascinating tonight to see how the other five beat the living daylights out of Mayor Mike and how he responds. I really want to dig down. I've gotten a tip about the relationship with him and Sharpton. Have you heard about this? Uh, no, you tell me what you know. I mean, I, no, I, I got I'm, I'm waiting on it. I just, uh, you know, we're doing a deep dive. I want to make sure I have it completely. It was contentious. Remember that, uh, that Bloomberg governed New York City for 12 years. And in my opinion, out of all of the Democratic candidates, Bloomberg would be best to govern the United States. He, he so here's my question. Better than any of the others running for president. 
in my opinion. That doesn't so make he him wants a good to be guy. president. That doesn't make him a humanitarian. It doesn't make him. If you take global warming and guns out of Bloomberg's arsenal, pardon the pun, he's a Republican. He's a Republican. No, Those he's are not. the two issues that he separates from the Republican Party on. And he's got no. He's got no pathway to the White House other than the Democrats, but he's not a Democrat. Bloomberg's not a Democrat. He, he, he believes I, I in disagree with way. you because I'm going to tell you how Bloomberg. Listen, did you hear what he said about death panels? Let's go through what makes up a Democratic coalition. All right. African-Americans, I don't think they're going to be very happy with his comments telling uh, people that if you're 95 and you got cancer, you've lived a good life. Go home. We're not going to treat you. I don't think that's going to go very well with older people that may be thinking of voting Democratic. Uh, As all this information about women comes out, I don't think that's going to go over particularly well. Uh, Other comments that he's made about uh, gays and lesbians, there is also a, a uh, what a, a New York Daily News article uh, where he insulted transgenders, uh, saying that you know transgender people he describes as he, she, or it, or some guy in a dress who who enters girls' <laughs> locker rooms. Uh, I'm just imagining if Donald Trump said any of this no, crap. No, you know. But let me ask you a question because I'm well. So they're going to give him a pass because he's a Democrat? No. They're not going to give him a pass. They're, they're hammering him now. Do you think, because this is an NBC extravaganza tonight, do you think that the NBC moderators are going to go after Bloomberg? No. Yeah, I think they're going to have to a little bit. But, I mean, I think Bloomberg's it's been in debate high, prep it, now. He has been prepping for this debate for the last 36 hours. That's all he's been doing. Okay, but... but it doesn't matter what he says. It, it's the demeanor of the moderators and his opponents. So you have Bloomberg can say whatever he wants to you say. You see, they Nobody hate Bernie Sanders. You what? see, the, the MSDNC crowd at, and the establishment hate Bernie, so they might prop him up, and the yeah. mob and the media might prop him up. I agree Comcast with that. Comcast doesn't want, doesn't want Bernie. NBC doesn't want Bernie, and they know he's going get, to get slaughtered. So it'll be interesting to see Holt and, and uh, what's his name, uh, the Meet the Press guy, Todd. They'll have to ask him the tough questions, but they won't follow. That's the game. So if you're, if you're a good moderator, good journalist, you know they're going to dodge your first question. You've got to come in and say, hey, you just dodged it. You didn't answer. Here's the question again. That's how you interview. That's how I do it. That's how you do it. And they don't do it that way. They got to throw some tough ones at him, but I don't think they're going to come down real hard. But Warren, in particular, is going to go after Sanders. Warren is going to. You wait and see what that woman does. She's going to be the pit bull tonight. I got to take a break. More with uh, Bill O'Reilly. All things O'Reilly. Simple man at BillOReilly.com. The agrarian society lasted three thousand years. And we could teach processes. I could teach anybody, even people in this room, so no offense intended, to, to be a farmer. You, it's a process. You dig a hole, you put a seed in, you put dirt on top, add water, up comes the corn. Then we had 300. You could learn that. And the information economy is fundamentally different because it's built around replacing people with technology. And the skill sets that you have to learn are how to think and analyze. And that is a whole degree level different. You have to have a different skill set. You have to have a lot more gray matter. All right, so we continue. Bill O'Reilly, simple man, BillOReilly.com for all things uh, O'Reilly. And, well, okay, so 
How does this play out? Let's uh, all right. So Bloomberg's now in. He's in the debate, but he really doesn't get in until Super Tuesday. But I'm looking at a lot of Super Tuesday states, and you still got Bernie Sanders leading the way. You know, it's very fascinating. I can't predict how the Democrats are going to vote in the primaries. I can tell you that if Bloomberg gets the nomination, and we discussed this last week, uh, I believe 10 to 15 percent of Democratic voters will stay home. And that'll be a combination of the Bernie people and the minority crew. Um, if you have 95% of the Republican Party currently supporting the president and they're jazzed to turn out as they are, and you lose 15% of your Democratic base, then Trump wins. So Bloomberg is really in a tight spot. Now, if you, if you nominate Bernie outright, I think he loses 40 out of 50 states. Um, I, I can't. I can't see him. I looked at the map the other day. You're working people. Well, then I, got, I guess I have to come out and defend Bernie and help Bernie. Then. Well, that's, Trump wants to run against Bernie. He wants. He to says run he wants him. to you run against Bloomberg. That's what he says. Oh uh, yeah. He then why is Trump saying the fix is in against Bernie? Because he likes Bernie. No, well, Bernie. No, Bernie got screwed. They did rig the uh, the primary last did. time. They stole it from him. So what is is the? By the way, they do it again this time, and I, and those Bernie people are not going to come out. They're going to stay home. They are, but President Trump's not trying to engender sympathy for Bernie Sanders. He wants to run against Bernie Sanders. Bloomberg's much smarter than Sanders. I mean, I don't know how much time we have. You have I'm about to say goodbye. All right, next week I'll tell you why Bernie Sanders not so smart. All right, Simple Man, Bill O'Reilly, BillOReilly.com. Thank you for being with us, Bill. Appreciate it. We'll get uh, we'll get it into that next week when we come back. News Roundup, Information Overload. Uh, well, how's it going over? Bloomberg comments with African-Americans we'll che- and farmers. We'll check in with Reverend C.L. Bryant, Geraldo Rivera. We'll take calls from farmers coming up in our final half hour of the program today and much more straight ahead. Stay right here for our final news roundup and information overload. In the final hour of the Sean Hannity Show. All right, news roundup, information overload, 800-941-SEAN, if you want to be a part of the program. So, all right, so you you look at alienating, if, if both parties, which they are, coalition parties, uh, certain interests, there's a reason every two and four years that you have... This this playbook of the Democrats, Republicans are racist. They are sexist, misogynist. They they are anti-gay. They're you know homophobic, xenophobic, Islamophobic. They want dirty air and water, and they want to kill grandma after she spends years eating dog and cat food only. And then the Republican candidate will throw granny over the cliff because that's their playbook. Now, why is that happen? Because they are playing to the base of their party. Now, the question is. With Bloomberg, okay, well, how's he going to be doing with blue-collar Americans by insulting the lack of gray matter of America's great farmers? And by the way, we're going to talk to farmers only in the final half hour of the program today. Uh, if you're a farmer, call in. We want to hear from you. 800-941-SEAN. You dig a hole, you put a seed in it, you put dirt on it, and then you add water, and up comes the corn. Really? It's that simple. Because all these people that go and get advanced degrees in the in agriculture and agriculture sciences and other 
related fields, soil itself is is something, you know, the, the alkaline level, the chemical co- composition of soil means everything. How do you make these these plants that we grow all the time more hardy under more difficult weather conditions? I mean, it's so ignorant. But then, okay, now how are women going to react to all the stories about, well, just kill the baby, oh, another woman on maternity leave, oh, we can't have that. Or Bloomberg saying black and Latino males don't know how to behave in the workplace. We got that that has just come out. Uh, then we have, oh, well, you know, murderers, murder victims, they only fit one M.O. You take the description, you Xerox it, you pass it out to all the cops. They're all male minorities, 16 to 25. That's New York and virtually every city in America. And then he says you're going to throw these young 16 to 25-year-old kids up against the wall. Cops throw them up against the wall. Really? And then he says, well, he says, well, people ask me, oh, my gosh, well, you're only arresting, you're arresting kids for marijuana, but they're all minorities. And he says, yeah, that's true. They're all minorities. Why? Because we put all the cops in minority neighborhoods. Why do we do it? Because that's where all, not some of the crime, all the crime is. Pretty ignorant. So you got, and then he's telling old people, oh, you're 95. Uh, sorry, go home. Listen, you're gonna, you've outlived your usefulness. Let's be honest here. We're not going to treat you. We're not going to try and save your life. Go home and die. All right? You've had a good life. Well, I guess if you one second past your life expectancy, I guess that's the health care plan of, uh, of farmer mini Mike Bloomberg. Anyway, joining us, what is the impact of all this? Geraldo Rivera, Fox News legal analyst, author of The Geraldo Show. Reverend C.L. Bryant, author of The Race for Freedom and senior fellow at Freedom Works. Uh, thank you both for being with us. Geraldo, um, I know you. Now, this isn't even, to me, an issue or a discussion about stop and frisk or a higher concentration of, of police resources that are limited in areas where there's more crime. That makes sense to me to do that. But I would argue it's more socioeconomic. But that's not the way this guy thinks or talks. And he acts, you know, that's where all the crime is. We're only arresting minorities. We're only throwing minorities up against the wall. Uh, that's pretty grotesque from my point of view. And, and I bet, Geraldo, I know you're, you're, you, you have longevity in your family. I doubt you're going to be too happy if somebody in your family is 95 and they're told they're not going to get treated to go home and die. <laughs> I, I certainly will not. That's uh, absolutely true. Hey, brother, I, you know, I used to like Bloomberg. I remember when he was a Republican. And, uh, you know, I, I understand why. But he was a Republican know, these, for convenience, though. Let's be honest here. He, he did not want well, any part of that Democratic primary. But, but one thing I know for sure, I was born on 17th Street. I spent my whole young adult life in the Lower East Side. They put the cops there because the crime was there. I mean, that, there's, there's real truth to that. Let me just, let me just before you... Uh, contradiction, as I know you will, and your eloquent and forceful way, I, I think that there's an opportunity here for Donald Trump. If Bloomberg is the stereotype that you now suggest he is, and believe me, the people to the left of uh, Bloomberg are even uh, more radical in their, in their own way. The opportunity is to expand the Republican Party. Those minorities that, that aspire for not only safer neighborhoods, but better lives, broader lives, bigger horizons, uh, better jobs, uh, uh, you know, management positions, entrepreneurial opportunities. I think that Trump has got the potential, and you and I have spoken to the president about this. We know he gets it. Uh, the State of the Union absolutely reflected this. He will fill the vacuum 
that the Bloombergs of the world create in the minority community. There is a historic opportunity right now for the Republican Party to embrace minorities in a way they have not. But I think he's but I, but I think the, the president is I mean, look at his speech. When you talk about opportunity zones and record low unemployment for African-Americans, Asian-Americans, Hispanic-Americans, women in the workplace, youth unemployment, African-American youth unemployment, we're not just talking about one record. It's almost on a monthly basis we shatter another record. And and you put all of this together and you add to that criminal justice reform uh, yes. because of disparity in sentencing. And I think you got uh, I'll go to Reverend C.L. Bryan. I think you got a hell of a a campaign to run and a case to be made, which is certainly better than, well, what have you got to lose, which is what Trump said to the minority community in in 2016, because, you know, he's pointing out the fact Democrats that have run these cities into the ground after decades of rule. uh, He was promising to do better. And I argue he's delivered. And that's exactly what's happening, Sean. In fact, when we think about the comments that this New York, former New York mayor has made, Bull Connor probably would have said the same types of things uh, 40, 50 years ago. And when we talk about the historical vote that we're expecting to turn out in 2020 for Donald John Trump, Black Voices for Trump is something that this president has created and is, in fact, using to turn that black vote away from the historical Democrat Party and is scaring the devil out of the Democrats as we speak, because they know the only tangible thing that Democrats have done for black people over the years is give them a Coca-Cola, a sandwich, and maybe $5 to get on the bus to go and vote every two to four years. That's tangible that they have done for the black people in this country. Donald John Trump has historically now lowered the unemployment rate uh, historically for blacks and Latinos while raising the job rate in this country. That's tangible. So if you have a choice, if black people use their brains instead of their emotions, as far as skin color is concerned, you are going to see a turnabout, an unshackling of the black vote to the Democrat Party that this country has not seen since Reconstruction. And I I want to add to this. Let me go back to Geraldo. It it angers me every two and four years, Geraldo, because I'm a conservative. I'm I'm not a registered Republican. But the the false narrative that is used the playbook republicans are racist sexist xenophobic homophobic misogynist uh, islamo you know they want dirty air and water i'm tired of it because that's not anybody i know that's conservative and if they call themselves a conservative i want nothing to do with those people that's not who i am the people i know and that are conservative yeah i agree the stereotype has never been harsher than it is now and it's because of the whole Trump derangement uh, that is going on. There really is a syndrome where people have been, they are so filled with hatred when it comes to the president of the United States that they ascribe to every Republican, they say, like Trump, you are a racist. Like Trump, you are uh, an elitist. Like Trump, you are a predator. Like Trump, you're a, you know, a, a sexual assaulter. Uh, you know, it, it is, the stereotyping is absolutely sickening. However... I think that Trump's resilience and the way he fought off impeachment and the way people have rallied to him does create, as the, uh, as the reverend suggests, this opportunity. And I want 
the president to campaign as if he was a Democrat. Let him be the real Democrat in in the in the in the broadest sense, uh, the, the small d sense of that word. Let he him be the person to say you can attribute. You can aspire to greatness. You can aspire to wealth. You can aspire to success. You know, this is America, the land of opportunity. By emphasizing the positive, by emphasizing the success story, by surrounding himself with a diverse uh, group of uh, supporting cast as he campaigns with surrogates that look like the audience that uh, the president is trying to appeal to. I, I think by emphasizing the positive, let the Democrats tear themselves apart. Let them have their night fight uh, tonight in uh, Nevada. Let them, you know, they'll be a mutual assured destruction. Let them do that. In the meantime, the president is the president of all the people. And let me just add uh, parenthetically that I applaud wholeheartedly his pardons and commutations today. That was the right thing to do, the compassionate thing to do, the just thing to do. And every one of those people. Look at what he did with criminal justice reform. And and it wasn't just Blagojevich and, and somebody that's a friend of all of ours, Bernie Kerrig, who he served his time. He was a, a hero on 9-11-2001. Um, he was the hero. Honestly, he was. I mean, there's there's no other way to put it. And I don't think one bad decision in life should define somebody's entire life. But uh, we see these polls. I got married five times. Look at me. (laughs) (laughs) The the irony behind that statement is all five of Geraldo's wives still love him. I mean, it's unbelievable. (laughs) That's right. That's right. And it's, by the way, I'm not making that up. You're the only person I know that your exes love you. I've that's never true, seen anything like it. The period and the fact. That's right. C.L. <laughs> Bryant. You know well, what, Sean? I, I got to add this because I'm the great, I'm the grandson and, and son of farmers. One of the things that Bloomberg said the other day certainly is not going to win him any voters in uh, that farming community, and certainly not the children of farmers. Uh, it took a heck of a lot more than just knowing how to put a put your finger in the ground and put a corn seed in the ground in order to bring forth crops. Well, no, and, 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 and it got worse because then he said they, they need more gray matter, meaning more brain power. I'm like, you idiot. This is now a sophisticated science at a level, you know, irrigation, soil, uh, uh, growing hybrids. I mean, it is so sophisticated and they're so great at it. And he dismisses it. Oh, I can teach anybody to farm. But our society today, you need more gray matter than that. He's such an arrogant, elitist snob. Absolutely. Uh, All right. So recent polls now show. That the president is doing well with African-Americans and Hispanic-Americans dramatically better. Now, do those increase in poll numbers transfer to votes in 258 days? C.L. Bryant. You have black people uh, that are going to vote for Donald John Trump that would have never thought of voting for a Republican uh, before. Tonight, as a board member of uh, Black Voices for Trump, we will take over the war room at Trump headquarters. These are black people, Sean, that will be doing that. Even in the Democratic Party over the last 60 years, you've never heard of anything like this transpiring. The one promise that President Trump made to black people on the campaign trail was this. Even if you don't vote for me, I will be your greatest champion. That's a promise made. That's a promise that he has kept. And that is why I believe that the Democrats are trying so hard to stop this 
mammoth of a job and, and a, a juggernaut of a job that this president has. All right, last word, Geraldo. You got a minute. Yeah. Geraldo. My advice is, as I said to the president, to campaign as a Democrat, what does that mean? Send buses to the minority communities. Have uh, surrogates. Have people, a catalyst. Get the leaders on board, as you have in uh, Cleveland with Pastor Scott and with Pastor Bryant. I think that it, it's going to happen, but you have to be pragmatically idealistic. You've got to be the pragmatic part of that is you've got to turn out the vote in a mechanical way. You've got to beat the machine at the machine's own gauge. All right. I want to thank you both for being with us. Uh, Reverend C.L. Bryan, author of The Race for Freedom, senior fellow of Freedom Works, Geraldo Rivera, Fox News legal analyst and author of The Geraldo Show. Thank you both. When we come back, as promised, we're only taking calls from farmers, final half hour of the program, and they get to react to the ignorant comments of former New York City Mayor Michael Bloomberg. 800-941-SHAWN. You want to be a part of the program, but you've got to be a farmer. That's the only that's the only criteria. All right, there's Hank Williams Jr. Yeah, Country Boy will survive. And uh, these comments now really have ticked off a lot of people, as it should. We've done a deep dive now into farming farming, and farming uh, degrees and advanced degrees that are available. I mean, it's incredible. It is the, the, the amount of sophisticated science, chemistry, everything in between is unbelievable and how great our farmers are and for you know this this arrogant elitist snob michael bloomberg well i could teach anybody to be a farmer it's you know come on really you dig a hole you put a seed in you put dirt on top and you add water and and up pops the corn i'm like you gotta be kidding me i mean can you really be that stupid that breathtakingly ignorant about America's great farmers, you know, and, and then then taking it a step further. Well, you know, we need people now that have more gray matter, not like the farmers. I'm like, wow. You know, we went and we did a, a deep dive. There's so many schools that offer not only Bachelor of Science degrees in agriculture and, and other specialized fields regarding agriculture, but they offer these advanced degrees. Cal Poly, for example. Major in, for example, you can major in or minor in agribusiness, bioresource, agricultural engineering, environmental earth and soil sciences. It's a science. What happens if you're, what happens if the soil becomes either, it's out of pH balance some way? How do you fix that, Farmer Mike, Mini Mike? You know, they have uh, geographic information systems for agriculture. I mean, that, I mean, we have so many examples, so many schools. This is, I mean, we can teach any, I can teach any of you to farm. Really? You put a seed in the ground, you cover it with dirt, you water it, and up comes your corn. Okay, maybe that works in your garden in the backyard, but that's not farming. We I mean, not only feed the entire United States, but we feed the world. And but you need more gray matter. What a what an arrogant elitist snob! Unbelievable. So I asked farmers to call in. They feed all of us. They're all great Americans, and we have a, a bunch of them on the line here. Thanks to the rest of you for cooperating and not calling at this time. 
Uh, let's say hi to Dennis in Wisconsin. Dennis, how are you? Welcome to the program, and uh, we honor what you farmers do. Tell us what you do. Hi, Sean. Um, thank you very much. Uh, thank you for what you do. Um, I feel like uh, Bloomberg's comments for me, I know it's been hammered on all week, but for me it's like a double whammy. I, I grew up on a farm, farming my whole life, but I'm also a 25-plus year CNC machinist. And By the way, I every farmer, you, I mean, you really have to be a machinist. You have to be a mechanic because if your equipment breaks, you know, you, you've got to be able to get your hands in there, get dirty, and, and try and at least fix it to keep going that day. As a farmer, you're an electrician, you're a plumber, you're a mechanic, you're a welder, a carpenter, a banker, a veterinarian. You're also really? in charge of HR and PR with the neighbors. And there's a whole lot more than poking a hole and just dropping a seed in the ground. It's, I find it, it insulting, from, but then he takes it to the next level about, the, uh, the, the, well, these new jobs we have today in the information age, you need more gray matter. I'm like, wow. You, oh, I couldn't believe it. I've seen it change from, from when I was a boy. My grandpa was planting two rows of corn at a time, and, and now it's our equipment is 40 feet wide. It's GPS controlled, and it's not a GPS like your car. You don't push a button on a steering wheel and ask your car to find you your way home or directions to the closest Starbucks. There's a lot more going on. You have the size of the field, the shape of the field, obstacles in the field. Maybe there's a power pole or a, a stone pile or a water hole. It's, it's, it's all got to be guided around. Our equipment is uh, it's able to apply chemicals and fertilizer to minute amounts. A 40-foot piece of equipment that can guide you to within less than an inch on an acre and that's not something that, that you just close your eyes and, and poke that hole and drop the seed in the ground. The technology's come And what, so what do far. you grow specifically? Tell me. We grow um, winter wheat, corn, and soybeans. And how many acres do you farm yourself? Uh, my, my dad and I farm roughly 300 acres. So we're a fairly small operation in the grand scheme of things. And by the way, we're not even talking about outside forces. Uh, like, for example, weather that could great. I mean, you, you could grow the greatest crops if uh, you have a bad spell of weather it can ruin your entire season or flooding that might occur. There's all sorts of, of risk and uh, every planting season. Am I correct about that? Oh, I would love to be able to order sunshine next day here. <laughs> well, the only thing I'd say is maybe you're going to have to take that up with God. I can't help in that regard, but I can applaud your great work. How many hours do you work on average a day and how many days a week? Um, I usually, between the farm and my punch clock job, I get about four hours to five hours of sleep a day. Well, you and I have that in common. Hey, listen, Dennis, thanks for sharing our best to you, and uh, thank you for what you do every day for the, to feed us all. We appreciate it. So, well, most of quick, us appreciate it. Can I give a quick message to Mr. Bloomberg? Yeah. Um, until a Democrat gets back into the White House, I believe that this is still a free country, and he does have his right to say how he feels about farmers, but he better damn well not do it with his mouth full. Wow. Well said. Well done. Take a bow. Dennis, thank you. Uh, we say hi next to Greg is in South Dakota. Greg, welcome to the Sean Hannity Show. Tell me what you do, uh, what kind of farming are you involved in? Uh, my son and I and wife, we farm 4,000 acres, corn, beans, and alfalfa. And, Sean, I talked to you wow. back in November. I told you I was in my tractor. Your screener told me to shut it down, and we had a very nice conversation. I remember I this call because I said to Linda, I said, yeah. I want to talk to farmers, and she's looking at me like, well, how do we know enough farmers listen to you? And I said, no, we've had many farmers call this program. I remember your call well. How yeah. are you doing? How's the farm doing? Um, it, it's good. 
I, uh, you know, a couple things I want to say. That, that young man that was just on there, very good what he said about the technology we're using. Here's a little, I'll just put this together while we were talking. And I asked your screener a quick quiz. I'd like to ask Michael Bloomberg. How many rows of corn are on the average ear of corn? And I'll give you a choice. Is it 13 rows or 21 rows, Sean? Wow. that's a th- I don't know the answer. I don't. Neither one of them are right. Corn, it may, it, it may be 12, 14, 16, 18, 20, but corn will always put on an even number of rows around. Wow. Mother nature, huh? God yeah, almighty. Amazing. Isn't it too, <laughs> true, too, that, like, for example, they have new, they, they keep improving the seed, for example, seed science that exists. I've been reading all about this. For example, you can get a particular corn hybrid specifically, like a sweet corn or a different type of corn or yellow only corn or yellow and white corn. I mean, that's all done in laboratories, isn't it? Yeah, yes. That's where the seed stock is made. And then they take it out and, and grow bigger quantities of it. You know, there's still corn that's going to be planted in the upper Midwest here in the northwestern Corn Belt that is probably still in seed production being bagged in South America some way, maybe even in Hawaii. That's got to get shipped here for, for the time we plant here in, in mid-April to mid-May. But here's a couple yeah. of things I just wanted to put together. We plant 500 acres of corn a day. At 30,000 seeds per acre, Mr. Bloomberg, that's 15 million holes he would have to dig in a day to keep pace yeah. with us in what we do. That's Farmer 1 million Mike. seeds. One million yeah. seeds an hour or 16,666 seeds a minute we're putting in the ground. I don't think he can wow. keep up with us. And you have the sophisticated machinery that helps you do all that. How many hours, and I, I'm going to try and get as many calls in a, as I can, how many hours do you put in a week, and how many days a week do you work? Well, planting and harvesting are the push times. So from from the 10th of April till the 10th of, of May, we're planting corn and beans, and, and we're running 18-hour days there. And then then you slack off. You don't, you're don't you not pushing like that. Harvest then is is a, is a month to six weeks where you're doing 18, 20 hours a day. You got How many times have you experienced maybe some type of uh, calamity where your crop didn't come in well? Has that happened to you? Oh, absolutely. All, yeah. all we can do is put it in the ground. From then on, then yep. on, the Lord is in control. Absolutely. You can't be Humbling. a farmer unless unless you have great faith. And without it, you're not going to make it. And our biggest mark, our biggest problem is two things, Sean. One is, and I've always said this, anybody can come out here and buy land. But you know what? I, as a farmer, I can't open a, I can't open a, a shop up and start doing brain surgery. Great it's not point. Not a little playing field. Not a little playing field. Well, by the way, good luck to the people that think they're going to be farmers. I watch people all the time on these these reality shows. They crack me up. They think they can go live in the wilderness in in Alaska and half of them collapse in a week. Um, but I will tell you, I want to say thank you for all that you do and the hard work, the level of sophistication. There's a lot of gray matter that goes into all of this, and the breathtaking arrogance of this guy. It, it's unbelievable to me, but. Um, thank you for feeding us. You help feed the world. Thank you for that hard work every day and my best to your family. Uh, all right, let's quickly, we got, let's see, Justin is in Virginia. Justin, how are you? What kind of farming are you involved in? Um, I'm a dairy farmer. Uh, wow. Okay. And it's probably one of the toughest, toughest jobs, toughest farmer there is. Uh, how many head you got? Uh, we're milking about 200 cows. And how much, how much milk do you produce on any given day? On any, any given day, a milk is sold here in the U.S. in pounds, but if you want to equivalent to gallons, we're at about 3,500 gallons a day. 
Wow, that's amazing. You know, but I th- what's a gallon of milk? I think the last time I checked, I don't, I don't drink I a lot of milk, but I think it's like five fifty something like that. Yeah, in and, New York, uh, everything's well, higher. Yeah, it is. Well, unfortunately, uh, the farmer, I'm only getting about a dollar thirty-eight right now, Mister Hannity. It's such an honor to call and talk with you. Um, you know, I talk with you. I hear the confidence in your voice, and. I don't call up and tell you how to do your job because I personally think that you're a professional in this area. You know, you speak the truth. You speak uh, the journalism. You speak that. Would you believe if I I told you that there are many days? I'm not kidding either. I, I, you know, I would rather be a farmer, go back to contracting. There's a a little stress involved in this crazy world I'm in right now. The problem isn't Bloomberg or even, you know, Mr. Phoenix, the Joker. The problem is society, and the problem is that they don't understand who the experts are. Uh, they get to use, you know, Chicago Board of Trade to play around with our corn and soybeans and, you know, set the price of a block of cheese, but we don't get to do that. However, we do get to wake up at 4 o'clock in the morning, miss out on all of the... Well, you don't get a day and, off, do you? I mean, as a dairy eight, farmer... Eight days a week. Eight day, and you have, to do it every, you have to do it every day. Twice it doesn't day. stop. Uh, yeah. As long as long as my animals are breathing, they are my responsibilities. Each so, girl, but, you know, has he, a name. Well, I don't know how you remember head. that many girls in your life, but good luck to you. But here's the other well, thing. My, now, I assume that, you know, you give birth when that time comes, and I guess you're not calling in veterinarians at 3 in the morning. You do it yourself, and I'm just guessing that you have the knowledge and the background and experience if, uh, you know, if... if, if a baby calf is coming out breach, you're going to know how to handle that, right? Well, you know, I did get a degree from Virginia Tech in dairy and animal science. Oh, uh, I have a lot of gray matter there. The, I, uh, I didn't get to stick around on the weekends down there for partying because I had to come home and work. But <laughs> we, um, we've, uh, I've, I've been inside of cows uh, elbow deep and just had two of them delivered here today. Wow. But it's, all part, it's all part of it. There's three reasons why I love love this job it's you know because of the farm the animals and then it's because of the family i get to have my children here and hope that they can continue on it and because of my faith just like the other ones have can seen. i ask you a personal question exit question Absolutely. And I, I, and it's for, I, I, can you tell around how much money you know at the end of the day how much are you making a year around just give us a roundabout figure um I could give you a figure, but uh, most of the farmers that you ask are going to say it's not about the money. All we really want is the respect, and it's just America would, like you said earlier, with your mouth full, respect and trust the professionals. We love our animals, we love our land, and we love our God. And what more could you ask for? Let me put it this way. You're not getting rich off of doing this. Can I say it that way? No, I do it because I love it. You love it. This is your passion. Yeah. I love people that find, like, for example, there are friends of mine that have to be in law enforcement, friends that had to be teachers, uh, friends of mine, because it's their passion. But listen, I got to let you go because of the constraints of time. But Justin, to you and all your dairy farmer friends, thank you for all you do. And all the other farmers out there that feed us every day and and nourish us every day. I can't say enough good and, and give enough praise to what you do. And thank you for it. Thank you, sir. Continue to pray for us, and we'll be chugging along with something. All right. God bless you, my friend, and thanks for what you do. Linda, I want to go to a farm. I, why don't we just we'll just take Let's the whole Let's broadcast from a farm. I love it. A farm. Have you ever been to a farm? I have. You have not. I have so. You. <laughs> 
You, I, oh, you once went to a, a pumpkin patch with Liam. I remember that picture. Well, that, that video. Is actually, when he ran away, and then he dropped it. It was hilarious. Don't make fun of pumpkin farmers. No, I love pumpkin farmers. That's the right answer. Take a break. No, I'm not, listen, I'm thankful to all our farmers. God bless you guys. I'm glad you all had a chance to call in. All right, Hannity, uh, tonight at 9. We are loaded up tonight. We got the very latest, the battle that goes on in Vegas. Lawrence Jones is there, our 2020 correspondent. Uh, Peter Schweitzer, Carl Rove, Kevin McCarthy, Jason Chavitz tonight, Jeffrey Lord, Louis Gohmert, and Alan Dershowitz. All coming up, 9 Eastern, Hannity on the Fox News Channel. We'll see you then, and thanks for being with us. See you tonight, back here tomorrow. Thank you, as always, for being with us. And to all our farmers, thank you for the food you provide.